Hi, my name is Ben Armstrong. Hi, this is David Koch. My name is Thomas Maurer. Hi, I'm Donna Sarkar. Hi, my name is Lana Montgomery. Hi, I'm Seth Juarez. Hi, I'm Aaron Thomas. I'm Jess Dodson. Hi, I'm Rocky Heckman. Hi, I'm Sonia Cup. Hi, I'm Troy Hunt. Hello, this is Wally Mead. My name is Reed Purvis. Hi, I'm Lars Kling. Hi, my name is Alan Birchall. Hi, I'm Adam Fowler. Hi, I'm Scott Guthrie, and you're listening to the Need to Know Podcast. All the latest Microsoft Cloud news, as well as industry guest deep dive conversations. It's a Need to Know Podcast. All thanks to the CIA Ops patron community. The Need to Know Podcast. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook, N2K Podcast, and online at ciaops.podbean.com. Welcome along to the Need to Know Podcast and welcome to 2022. Happy New Year to everybody and hopefully you've had a bit of a break or still enjoying that uh, until coming back on deck. It is early January, so I thought I would get a quick podcast interview out for you, give you something to listen to over the break. Now, because it is the holidays, there isn't a lot happening uh, from Microsoft. Uh, So again, there is a bit of a reduction in the level of news. We expect that to pick up towards the end of January as all the Microsofties do come back online. Now, one of the articles that did catch my eye recently was a update to Teams. And inside this article, I think, is a very handy little feature that Microsoft has added, which will now give you the order in which the hands are raised in a meeting. So when you're in a Teams meeting, people can raise their hands. Typically, this allows you to call them out or to uh, allow them to unmute themselves. You was never quite sure who put their hand up first, but now Microsoft has taken care of that for us with this update that is uh, rolling out to us shortly. So I'll put a link to that article in the show notes so you can go uh, and have a look at that. Now, the other news to consider is that there will be price increases come March for most of the Microsoft 365 range. This is the first price increase in about 10 years from Microsoft, and there are some changes around the partner CSP platform offerings as well. So if you aren't across those, now is the time to go in, start looking at that, understanding what those increases are and what the impact may be to uh, your organisation. Now, as always, like I said, it's really great to have people uh, get in contact with regards to the feedback they'd like uh, to see on the podcast. And again, always looking for guests. If you do know someone or would like to recommend someone to be interviewed or come on and speak about a product or a service, that would be fantastic. Please feel free to uh, do that at any point. You can reach out to me on the Twitter. It's probably the best direct at director CIA. Also, don't be afraid to send me an email, director at ciaops.com. But with that, there's probably not, like I said, a lot of additional information I can provide at this point. We expect that to start ramping up shortly. So with that said, why don't we just get straight into the interview for this episode? Welcome along to our interview for this episode of the Need to Know podcast. I'm joined by Shiva Ford. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Um, as always, uh, I will get Shiva to introduce herself and give our listeners a bit of background uh, on her career and where she currently uh, resides and what role she plays at the moment. I am happy to do that. Thanks for inviting me, Robert. Um, I am currently a senior program manager at Microsoft, and I've been given this unique task of helping figure out how can we get communities excited and engaged on our um, 
main repository of knowledge, Microsoft Docs. Before that, I was the community program manager for the most valuable professionals in Australia and New Zealand, as well as the regional directors community in this region. And I had this unique privilege of having 160 plus people, um, you know, who, who have shown me and taught me the beauty of community, um, especially in, in the tech industry. Um, I was in that role for almost three years and I had the time of my life. It was a great exposure to understanding how technical communities work. Um, and to be honest, you know, like having that access to just the infinite um, space of brains trust, so to speak. Um, if it, I always say this whenever people ask me, you know, like how I do my job and I say that I'm surrounded by some of the best community leaders in the world who help me do a good job. And I say this because um, when I started this role, you know, the, my role as community program manager for um, ANZ, Robert, I had zero experience in technical communities. I didn't know anything about meetups or I didn't even realize like what people write blogs, what people write code and share it with other people. Um, and they do this because they love it. I am gobsmacked. And, you know, like in that period of time, and as I am still in my new role at Microsoft, I have begun to understand exactly why people do that. So yeah, that's a bit of a, you know, a background of what I've been doing in the last three and a half years. Okay, well, obviously community has been a big part of that. And as you said, that one of your, uh, I suppose, learnings or awakenings was the fact that, you know, people took uh, what would seem to be commercial or production value information that they created and put time and effort in, and then they would share it largely freely with other people um you know in your travels in your learnings you know do you have some thoughts on you know why people do that what's the motivation that you know these sort of people do put such energy into creating resources and making them available uh to others i think the the, the reasons or the motivations vary from person to person um for a lot of people in the community, I've observed that the the reason they're active is that once upon a time, they actually benefited from the community themselves. Um, and I say that as in they've learned from somebody's blog or they attended a user group event and was able to, you know, network madly that resulted in their, um, you know, in their next career opportunity or somebody shared that um, unique piece of code and that helped them unlock a, you know, a project that they've been working on. So it's a way of giving back um, for probably hmm, majority, like if not most of the members of the community. Um, I think there is also a big part of the community who do find that uh, you know, and I don't mean the, mean this very fluffily, but that sense of belonging to this group of people that they um, affiliate themselves with, like especially in our industry, um, a lot of people have 
roles where they're the only one in the company doing that, right? And, you know, thinking of the IT pros or the system admin who has this, you know, like pre-COVID was in a room where people would only waltz into their room if they had a problem <laughs> that needed to be solved. And so this community has helped them find people who are doing the same things as they are and have you know, diverse experiences um, from other organizations and they learn from each other. And, um, you know, the, the, that sense of, ah, I've found my people. Like, you know, like, I think, I think there's no um, price for that. Like that, that feeling of, I've finally found a group of people who think the same way I do or have, you know, different opinions, but, also want the same thing um you know when I, I i can't remember if it's um you know one of those uh maslow hierarchy of needs or any any theory on human behavior that one of our most important needs as a human being is the need to belong like you know that, that what that is what makes us unique from other animals or other species that we seek community that we seek a group of like-minded individuals that allow us to socialize, to interact and learn from each other. And so like that's, those to me have been some of the um, motivations that I've observed um, that people have when they decide to be active in the community. Um, obviously with COVID, a lot of that has changed and the landscape of the community has of what we would traditionally refer to as communities where people gather in person and share pizzas and drinks and whatnot. That's changed. Um, some might argue for the better, some for the worst, or I'd say it's just a bit different. But um, yeah, like I think I think it's really it's actually quite interesting to see how this has evolved um, during the pandemic. Well, it would seem to me that, as with everything, um, you know, it's going to change. It's going to look a little bit different on the other side um, of, you know, what we're currently going through, and it's probably going to rest and fall somewhere in a you know, hybrid sort of mode like most other um, technology uh, things that we see today. Um, what do you see or you know, how do you see people, you know, joining in the community? What, you know, what's their pathway into this? So as you said, they may be an individual in a company where they have a very specific role that is unique. And as you say, they probably task with maintaining technology or developing code that is unique from other people in the organisation. Uh, the interactions they've had with others perhaps have been, you know, online with forums or blogs, uh, as you mentioned. So, you know, how do you see people actually, you know, getting into and joining in and becoming part of this um, community? I think um, th there's a variety of ways as well, um, again, depending on what motivates them. And I'd say, too, that a lot of people don't even know that these communities exist, um, you know, and, and I think once they do and they see, for example, um, often there's always that one person that they know from within the community or somebody that they've interacted with on social media who would make a reference to say, oh, we have this event coming up in the next couple of days. Come and join us. And then they 
say, well, I haven't got anything better to do um, today. So let me just click through that link and check it out. Or, I mean, I've heard of people say like, oh, well, you know, this is pre-COVID, obviously. Like there is a bunch of people gathering over pizza and beer. Like, and I have nothing happening on a Thursday night. Let me come over and check out what's going on. So I think curiosity is often... Uh, you know, the first step that gets people interested and, in, you know, show up at the very least for the first time. Um, and then the other bit, obviously, is sometimes they see that that community, especially when the community is active and has a, you know, and it's a bit more uh, mature and they have people promoting their activities um, on various platforms so that, Again, you feel like, hey, I want to be part of that group. They seem cool. Um, they they seem to be doing things I'm interested in. Um, so let me let me you know check out what's going on. Find out how I could help if I even am um, you know one of the people that they'd like to to include in this community. Um, and yeah, like I think yeah, curiosity and like that sense of I can be part of that, I want to be part of that group, um, are some of the motivations. And I know that sounds naive, but I think th th there is that. Um, I've also heard like, you know, and I'm not going to pretend that there aren't people out there who are active in the community because they really are just seeking something that they need to promote. Like sometimes themselves, sometimes their business. Um, and, you know, for, for some of those people, I think, you know, like depending on their experience, they realize, oh, actually there's more of the community than a tra transactional relationship. And they end up thriving in that environment um, where their initial motivations become secondary. Um, but yeah, like I think, I think uh, for the most part, when people see the benefit of being part of the community, it becomes, you know, they just gravitate towards it. And I think we as community leaders probably need to do a better job of um showing the value of why community matters um, because i think it's an under understated and underappreciated part of um humanity really so i think that my experience tends to be that you you tended to get a lot of people joining communities or being interested in communities based on events. So mm. you go to an event and you'd see a speaker or there'd be a group of people hanging around at a booth mm. or, you know, you, you'd be eating something or getting a coffee or something and you bump into somebody and that would start the conversation. So um, it'll be good, obviously, when, you know, those events start uh, up and running again and people can start, you know, getting into that. But you know, in your experience, what you've seen in the time that we've had our lockdowns and our, our COVID issues, do you feel that community has um, strengthened because of the challenges it's faced with this need to, you know, pull together and, and keep things going? We haven't got the events which were generally easy to mm -hmm. socialise at. Or do you think that maybe it's fallen away a bit because 
they haven't got those face-to-face bonds like we used to have. You know, you go to an event and basically, you know, a large majority of people you knew would be at that event. You'd catch up with them. You'd re, uh, you know, invest in your social capital and then you'd be right for the next sort of event. Are you seeing, you know, do you feel that there's been a, you know, growth in that community strength or do you think it has waned due to our current circumstances? I would say neither. I'd say it has evolved. Um, some communities were not able to continue, especially those who used to gather in person, they weren't able to transition to a digital environment for a variety of reasons. Um, sometimes because the leaders of these communities are business owners themselves and they've had to prioritize um, their businesses transition into a digital um, workspace or you know, like family issues have happened, especially during COVID, that's that's even more pronounced. Like mental health is another issue. I will say, and the reason I say it's evolved is that I've seen communities that have, like those who have managed to transcend the in-person um, engagements were able to, the, the, the reason they were able to do that was they leveraged the, absence of physical and you know like the physical requirement and the time requirement of gathering um a lot of them have set, managed to get speakers from overseas right like you know previously we used to just have like a you know insert city user group um or you know insert country user group and with um, the pandemic and everybody just working you know working from their desks at home it was easier to just say, hey, Robert, can I invite you to present to my community in Miami? And you'd be like, sure, what time? I'll be there. <laughs> and, um, you know, and likewise, they're, the members of their communities had also have also become quite diverse. Like, it's not just from the same people in the same city. There are people who gather from different parts of the world, collaborating, learning from each other, growing their network. Um, and I think it's quite, it's it's really impressive when you see this because it's that's when you realize that, you know, it, it's a beautiful demonstration of the boundlessness of community, you know. And um, what I I even loved seeing a lot of our community leaders in Australia and New Zealand who come from other countries, you know, giving back to those countries where they had come from organizing those user group events in you know say think of Sri Lanka Pakistan like we have a like Australia is a very multicultural society and our industry specifically um, relies heavily on um, people from um, overseas to come and work here in our country and you know make the industry more vibrant and as a result, they're, you know, they feel that, hey, you know, we, we need more talent. Let me support people in the countries where I'd come from and connect them to people here in Australia, connect them to um, equally talented and inspiring individuals from other parts of the world um, and let them see that there's a pathway in tech that you may, that is um, boundless, boundaryless, if you like. Um, and so, I, I wouldn't say that there's a, you know, s- straightforward, yes, it has, you know, there's there are certain communities that have managed to um, capitalize on 
on the situation. And there are some communities that weren't, but that doesn't mean that they waned. It was more just, I think, changes and change in priority, change in life situation. Um, if you approach those individuals, they still say they would love to be active. I just couldn't make it work because um, I'm having to, you know, work from home, look after my child, homeschool, um, you know, the list grows and grows. And I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. Like the community can probably, it's never going to go away. And your commitment to it might take a backseat in the next year or so, but that doesn't mean that you're walking away from it completely. Community is always there. Okay. All right. So what about your thoughts on the importance that um, leadership plays? Now, is a you know, again, in your experience and what you've seen is a, you know, a uh, prospering community based around, um, you know, a personality, someone who's very vibrant, outgoing, well-connected, um, or is it about someone who has deep technical knowledge that can share that and is willing to share that? Or is it, you know, about a, a leadership that may not be one individual that keeps the whole thing going together. You know, what sort of, um, you know, drive is there in these groups to obviously keep them running and keep them operating and, you know, allow this to obviously move through face-to-face -face meetings and also virtual meetings? What sort of personality, personalities or leadership in your experience have you seen that is really uh, contributing to, you know, the effective, um, you know, these really effective communities? I've found it's it's probably the, the third model that you described where it doesn't rely on one individual to, to get the community going. Because I've found that when it's one person leading the community, then when that person takes a back seat and there's no, you know, I use the word contingency plan here quite loosely, but if there's no sense of ownership of the community with the rest of the members, then it becomes, well, it's just Robert's community. It's not our community. And so when we see uh, communities where there's shared leadership, shared ownership, of course, you know, there are certain parts of the leadership where um, or certain aspects of the leadership that that would point to certain roles and responsibilities. Like you can't have every single person, for example, sourcing the speaker or finding the, um, you know, venue or setting up the time. Like well, you, you kind of need to have that one person who's on point. But when there are several people driving the engine, so to speak, um, and even if, you know, there's one person who is sitting in the driver's seat, it's a collective effort. And that also means that when that leader um, isn't around, that the other members of the community can, can keep the ball rolling. Um, I loved seeing communities where they had... Um, like rotating leadership, like say year one year they'll have Mary, the following year they'll ask Robert, the following year um, there's you know another person, because that also allows the community to um, you know like benefit from 
new and fresh and diverse perspectives instead of just one person having the vision and then everybody follows through. And I will say that whilst it is the most, you know, like what what we've what I've just described seems to be the most successful model of community. The biggest challenge is actually finding those people who are prepared to um, share the leadership with the community to actually have the vision of yet yeah, sure like in the next 12 months i'd like to be you know i'd like to be set up to be prepared for um leading or you know sitting in the driver's seat so to speak so it's not it's not easy it can be done but it requires just like anything it requires effort like it just doesn't you know snap a finger somebody will just put their hand up like that's you know most people wouldn't put their hand up some people most people would actually want to be asked and um want is probably not the right word like most people would um, when asked would probably step up um given the right support um from not only the nominated leader but by the rest of the team so it's teamwork it's not one person doing all the work and it shouldn't be okay so if we can look at the makeup of the of a successful community obviously you have a a certain leadership that's there that again people do gravitate towards and is able to you know keep the the bus moving forward driving along but if you are not um, you know, comfortable in playing that role, especially initially or, you know, wanting to do that, what do you feel would be the sort of effective contribution that just an ordinary community member would make to help the community? What should, you know, the person that comes along every meeting and you know, sits and, and enjoys the information and what's provided and presented for them, what can they do do you feel sort of in the background to you know help foster the community and help it grow and to pay it forward sometimes i think it's really just showing up um this like the smallest yet um quietly impactful way of supporting the community because i mean i i know what it's like on the other end of it where you're the person you know organizing everything and you've got three people show up in the call and or in a you know at the event in person and it's quite disheartening but hey guess what like when you have those three people showing up every single time you'll be like heck I'm gonna keep showing up too um even if it's just three of us having a you know having a pizza having a a drink and you know coffee tea whatever it is that you want to do um sometimes the size of the community and i know this is a controversial statement to make but sometimes the size of the community is secondary to the actual gathering to the actual showing up of people whether it's in person or in a call um and i think you know like especially for communities that like who are a bit more mature and a bit have been around for a while um you know like there are people who will naturally there's a natural attrition right um in the community because people's circumstances change the their motivations for being in the community or being active in the community for that matter change and when um 
when that changes, I think it would be, you know, sensible to to examine, you know, like what why are we gathering? Like, why are we still coming together? Is it sufficient for us to, you know, put this effort in, even if there are three people showing up? I would say yes, um, because sometimes, you know, like all you need is to keep the Kindle going. And then, you know, over time, as long as that community still comes together and gathers, and as long as it's worthwhile for every person, then the community will grow again or they both all, all all of them will just decide hey you know what we've had a good run maybe we can you know invest our efforts or energies in something else but i really feel that simply showing up matters um not only for the community but for yourself right like just having that regular connection um with with the people with whom you identify and affiliate um affiliate yourself um is is a it's a good thing um i guess the second level to that is you know everything that you've described like sometimes you might be invited or controlled into stepping up into you know like how about you do the promotion on social media or how about you do this how about you do that um and i would always say this to people like when you agree to do these things be be mindful of why 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 are you doing it is it because you want to learn something is it because you want to help out like is there something like i i think it's essential that when we you know um i whenever we decide to be active in the community what will make it sustainable is this examination of why am I doing this? What do I want to give and what do I want to get? And as long as that's clear at any point in time, um, that's going to continue fueling that um, motivation or that, you know, as you said earlier, like to answer your point, like, what a person can do to support the community and just be present and, um, you know, have an entry into the community. So do you feel it's important that the leadership take an active role in encouraging community members, you know, the appropriate community members to, you know, step up and, you know, try a presentation or present information or take responsibility for ordering pizza or whatever it is, um, or is it something that, you know, you, you want to encourage volunteers, but you shouldn't sort of perhaps be, you know, asking people directly, do they mind doing this? What do you find is the mm. best balance here? Oh, that's a, it's a tough one because it, it depends on the nature of the task, right? Like, for I would always encourage community leaders to look at who's in the room um, and find who might be, you know, is the is is are there any people in the room who could be the next speaker, but would never ever raise their hand if you ask, you know, the whole room who wants to speak next. 
Um, and this is what I was referring to earlier, that sometimes people need to be asked. So sometimes people want to be asked. Sometimes people want that assurance that, hey, I'm not going to throw you under the bus and let, you know, hope for the best. I'm asking you if you're interested in speaking and sharing what you know, because I want people to know what you know so that they can learn from you as well. This isn't an exercise in public speaking per se, but more like an exercise in knowledge sharing, um, because let's be honest like public speaking is is intimidating for a lot of people um and we can't just require every person attending the event to um you know like yep you're next because they might just say well if this is what's happening i'm not showing up um but what i'm saying is that if we expect people to or not expect but if we'd like to see people um, step up, we need to be able to provide the support that they need in order to step up and feel comfortable and confident to whether it's ordering pizza or whatever it is that you want them to do. Um, they need they can't just be asked to do something and then you hope for the best. So in the situation that again making generalizations which is always risky but generally <laughs> most it people you would probably agree aren't particularly people-centric they're normally <laughs> behind the screen and completing jobs they've been allocated and the concept of community is the antithesis of this really mm. it's really about you know managing people as you said and asking them and, and encouraging them and potentially doing things that they don't have the experience and maybe don't have the skill set to do it. So again, does that mean that the communities that tend to do best are the ones that either have this skill set or are developing this skill set, which is again, for many would be foreign to maybe the role they're playing inside their organization? That's a hard question. And I say that because, um, I will not disagree with your initial generalization that, you know, like the industry is notoriously comprised of individuals who are generally not, you know, like the kind of people who would be community minded. But, you know, in my experience, whilst there, that's partially true, you know, I, I keep going back to the initial, you know, well, Sorry, I don't keep going back. Like, I feel like the my initial point of whether or not you're an introvert or generally not people-focused, your need to belong is going through, like, there's that overwhelming need to belong and be part of something bigger than you um, that will probably compel or motivate you to, to be community-focused. Now, would we, would we say that everybody in the community has that, and you know, natural mentoring or coaching or, um, um, you know, like all these behaviors that are going to be essential in growing the community? Probably initially not, but this is why community is an evolving thing, right? Like, it's not like, all right, Sheba and Robert decided to join the community and they've stagnated and then they've never evolved and, you know, they just keep to be the same people showing up every single day. And there are people who are like that, by the way. Um, and that's fine. Like, you know, like there are different kinds of people, different um, behaviors so that we can observe in, in communities. And 
and there is a place for every person in the community, in my opinion, they have a role to play and, um, you know, like, and there are people who will evolve into different roles. Like sometimes you start as the, you know, like the person sitting at the back and then over the next three, depending on the leadership of the community, you might end up sitting in front and then the next thing you know, you're the one ordering pizza and then two years later, you're the one organizing things. Um, which is magnificent. Um, but that is, and that's why I think it's important that the the nurturing of the community is not based on one person alone. Like it's a it's a it's a community exercise. Um cannot rely on just one person looking after all the 30 people showing up every month. Um, you need two, three, four, five people eventually who will, you know, like it's a Ponzi scheme <laughs> in a good way um, where um, we're trying to, so, you know, convert people into unlocking those talents and skills that they didn't even know existed. And this is why those people who were touched by somebody in the community keep coming back because they, you know, once upon a time, they were that one person at the back of the room that nobody thought or nobody wanted to give a shot to. And then all it took is one person um, who transformed their lives. And they're now, you know, like pre-COVID, what, jet setting as a public speaker, right? Um, so look, like, I I don't think there's a, um, you know, a single straightforward way of doing this. I think there are several roles that, are available and accessible to people in the community and it's up to them you know when they when they understand fully understand or not partially understand what what they're there for um that will help you know like th that'll be a good compass for them to determine how much effort they're going to put into the community and how they will allow the community to shape their lives shape their careers Okay, so um, as we get towards the end of our uh, time, do you want to cast your mind a little bit into the future and, again, given the situation we've come from and the situation we've recently experienced and the way that uh, things have changed uh, with the health issues and hopefully the, the opening up that we are going to see, you know, in the near term, what do you see the future of, you know, the community is? Is it is it going to basically... Um, you know, look the same, be the same completely. I don't think it is, but uh, what do you see any of the directions that it will take? Is it going to move from, I think what I've seen as an example is I've seen a lot of the community move from being very deeply technical, you know, registry mm. and PowerShell and coding and, you know, that sort of thing to, you know, a more general, how do we use the technology? How do we get the most out of it? Let's talk about it at a user level rather than a deep technical level in general. I mean, what's your feeling as to the way that community will develop in the future? We can slice and dice this different ways. Like, are there going to be more deep technical communities versus the general, um, you know, fundamentals focused communities? Um, I think the reason we're not seeing um, the deep technical communities gather is for like you know, this is my um, this is based on a handful of few conversations. 
the reason I think is because they're quite busy um, getting roped in to solve some deep technical complex problems that we have that we're still trying to solve because we've been thrown this wild card of a global pandemic. Um, and as a result of the pandemic where information has been democratized by, you know, once upon a time you used to, cut, you know, we at Microsoft, you would gather everybody in um, Orlando or other big American cities to have one of our flagship events. And now we're doing it online. Like once upon a time we had 5,000 people gather in person and now we're able to attract hundreds of thousands of people to our um, virtual events and they can watch our content um, on demand. And so I think it has allowed more people to access and interact with, with us and even with um, members of the community that they didn't have access and in any interactions with previously um, COVID. And so I think it's actually the reason we're probably seeing a lot of these fundamentals is that we're beginning to open the um, the gate that has been kept by, um, you know, privilege, by um, being being part of, a, you know, a society that um, allows you to travel freely and, um, uh, you know, allows you to make enough income to travel wherever you like. Uh, right now, we've got more people, there are more people around the world who do not have the right passports, who do not have um, the income to afford traveling overseas and but are interested in technology and want to you know be be part of this industry and it, I think you know that we're creating we're trying to level the playing field for them I think is one of the silver linings of of COVID and something that I'd like to continue to see that even when we you know, I, I don't know what the, you know, I don't have a crystal ball into the pandemic, but if we are able to gather in person again, I wouldn't want the good things that have come out of this pandemic to just disappear. I would like for those people to still continue to be able to um, be part of a community that they, that wasn't available to them previously. Um, I would also think that I'm a bit I'm a bit undecided on the hybrid model because I've been in environments before where they were, you know, like being based in Australia and working for a company that's mainly um, where most of my colleagues are in the US and they're all gathered in person in a room and I'm the one dialing in like, you know, as if I was Charlie and Charlie's Angels. And I, I wasn't sure if I actually felt more included than all of us sitting behind a laptop or device dialing into a call. Like I felt like the latter is more inclusive because nobody is actually disadvantaged by location or time zone that we're all just um, gathering. But I am very aware that it's just not the same as, you know, meeting in person, like the dynamics are different. You know, you can't possibly have three hour phone calls with someone discussing, you know, like, work or strategy or whatnot. So same with community, right? Like networking virtually is just not the same. And so what I'd love to see happen is for technology to be able to address this, this, um, you know, how do we bridge the divide between, how do we still facilitate connections and relationships 
and not make it too difficult for like cognitively difficult for humans to interact with each other um, such that nobody is left behind. Um, wherever they are, whatever their background is, whatever their motivations are, that if they want to be part of, of a community, of an event, or of a gathering, that they may do it wherever they'd like to do it because they can, because they may, not because we have created these, um, you know, barriers, or not we, but, you know, but because the world has created barriers for them previously to not be able to do that. So I, you know, wishful thinking that technology might be able to solve that for us somehow. I don't know how, but I'm really hoping that we don't lose the best of what's come out of this as so we think, move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the advantage from my point of view is that it has legitimized the ability to attend community meetings in fluffy slippers. So thank God for <laughs> Correct. situations with cameras off. Um, but we are at the end of our time. I thank you very much for sharing all that information. How can people uh, reach out to you, follow what you're doing, get in contact if they do want more information about what you've discussed or, um, again, some other topic to uh, speak to you about? Sure. Um, I am on LinkedIn and my name is Shiva Ford. That's S-H-I-V-A. Uh, Ford F-O-R-D. If you type my name in the search function, you should be able to find me. And if you let me know how you've this, how you found me and why you want to connect, I'd love to hear from you. I'm also on Twitter and I'm just looking at my Twitter account to double check what my address is. It's Shiva Ford Tweets. That's one word, S-H-I-V-A-F-O-R-D-T-W-E-E-T-S. Um, they can find me on either or both. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes for people to uh, go and take advantage and connect up with you on those various social channels. Encourage people to take the time to do that and reach out if they do have any uh, further questions for you. So once again, Shiva, thank you very much for your time and uh, attending our session. I think a lot of people got some great information out of that. Thank you, Robert. Really appreciate it. And thank you so much for all the great things you're doing for our community. You have been, you've inspired so many in Australia and New Zealand, as well as other parts of the world. So thank you for bringing this podcast together, all the, all the other, uh, you know, your blog and all the other tools that you've created that have made a difference in other people's lives. Thank you. Excellent. All right. I will uh, say very, thank you very much. That's always good to be recognised again. And that's the takeaway I would give people <laughs> for their community leaders is, you know, just say thanks. It goes a long way for the work that a lot of these people do put into maintaining and keeping a community going, especially in uh, tough times that we have now. But um, with all that, I'll thank everybody for listening to this episode of the Need to Know podcast. You have been listening to the Need to Know podcast from CIA Ops. For training on using technologies like SharePoint Online or Microsoft 365, visit www.ciaopsacademy.com. By purchasing from the selections available, you'll be directly supporting this podcast. To provide feedback on this episode, visit www.ciaops.com contact.